just a heads up before we start in this episode, we talk a little bit about depression and suicide. So if that's something that you are having issues with right now, don't be afraid to call 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. Or just go to sprc.org because there's nothing wrong with uh, needing a little help. And you're worth it. So hang in there. The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. Yeah, I, I hear that uh, baseball players have some really weird names nowadays. That's uh... Uh, like Chooch McKagan. <laughs> Uh, no, that's they, actually uh... pretty close to. I mean, like over a hundred years ago, they would have those names. Chooch McKagan. I might have to go by that now. No. Is that the name of a real player? Or... No, I just oh, came okay. up with it literally off the fly because that's oh. basically every ball player is like Spuddy McGee and and Sparky Sparky little Sparky Lyle. <laughs> yeah, that's a real player. I was, I was going for the who's on first uh, bit. Uh, sorry, missed it. That's all right. Saying like chooch and saying that could be a euphemism for a, a piece of anatomy there. Yes, and that <laughs> might be why I thought of it first. Who, who the hell knows? Because <laughs> it's always on your mind, am I right? Hey, yeah, all right, yeah, bro. Give me, <laughs> give me some skits, some high fives, bro. Wow. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 1 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Paloma. Each episode, a different guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, single, and b-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon. We are opening up the album by Gnarl. And so that means I have with me friend of the show, host of Live on Four Legs, Mr. Randy Sobel. Hello, Randy. We are starting season six with another tradition. High ratings for the first episode. Bam. <laughs> no ratings after that because I bring them down, baby. Well, we'll see about that. I mean, I'm the one who looks at the uh, at the uh, stats for every. No, I didn't even look at the stats. Well, you know, Binaural is an interesting album. I'll just put it that way, and I and I hope that all these episodes kind of encompass and answer a lot of questions within what Binaural is. I hope that that we get to a lot of that today. And I hope that, um, cause I still, every time I listen to this album, I have questions about it. I, I'm, I'm, there are things that perplex me within the track listing. There are things that perplex me within the, uh, the songs that were left off that became lost dogs. So we can get into all of this and this might be an okay to decent episode. Hey, that's always, that's, that's my high bar. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is always what I aim for. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we can be C average together, buddy. Hell yeah. So then let's start off this episode. Uh, Eddie Vedder wrote the, law, the lyrics and music for this episode, or for this song. Oh, Jesus. I'm already messing up. He wrote the lyrics for this episode, too. Trust me. <laughs> 
The first time they played this was at the infamous Bellingham show in Mount Baker, May 10th, 2000. Of course, that is vault number four, and I'm going to mention that in practically most of these episodes because they uh, debuted a lot of binaural songs then. They did, yeah. It, they have kind of a uh, a track record of doing that from that uh, that no code show they did at the Showbox. The more I can't remember which one. I think it was Showbox in '96 where they basically came out and they did like the first four, and then they did Habit and Lucan, and I guess those were played before, but uh, they closed the show with Around the Bend. I think. Yeah, and there was also the uh, the Slim's Cafe show. Oh, duh. Yeah. And even then, you didn't even get... Some of those weren't even versus songs. They were Vita- and ended up being Vitalogy songs. Yeah. Better Man and Whipping. And then Vitalogy was just scattered all throughout 1994. You can find everything outside of... No, you can find everything from Vitalogy in, in 1994, I think. It, you know? Well, they, the real songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Bugs, notwithstanding. Um, Pry but, too. Yes. Uh, of of course, because they, they never <laughs> even got to pry to Idavanita or or the mop, um, but yeah, Satan's bed at that Atlanta show and uh, Nothing Man was played, I believe, a show in oh I don't remember if it was Florida or Michigan, and I could be wrong on either of those. It was played at like one specific show and that was it, and then they didn't play it at all on that 95 tour and then busted it out i think for the first time 96 bridge school so you don't get a lot of nothing man in 95 or 94 i should say you don't get any nothing man in 95 uh and then yada 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 yeah so basically (laughs) uh showbox show for for ride act two where they debuted a lot of this yeah and yield actually had a lot of debuts at there was a show in oakland I believe before they were doing shows f- opening up for the Stones. Yes, at the uh, the a, the Santa Cruz, the uh, what you yeah. call it, the Catalyst. Yes, yes, they debuted "Do the Evolution," "Given a Fly," um, wish list, wish list, and maybe in hiding. Uh, no, I don't believe in hiding. I think it was just those main three nope. because those were the ones that they played okay. when they were playing with Rolling Stones. Right, right. Okay, then that makes sense. All right. So, yeah, so they have this track record of just throwing it all out there at once. But they also, again, have the track record like they did with Vitalogy. It's, hey, we're just going to kind of write new songs and then play them as, as, as we go along. Like Last Exit and, and Tremor Christ were both played in 93. So Let's see. The um, I believe one of the... Well, one thing I just want to mention on here is that in the uh, in the liner notes, if you're looking at it, there's a little, like, a... Uh drawing on there it's a an eye or it could be a piece of anatomy hmm. possibly or something i'm not sure it's just kind of a, uh, a little drawing on there i don't know it's kind of like a little doodle okay i i kn- i thought i saw and i didn't look at the actual liner notes i just look at the wikipedia notes and i thought i saw that jeff was responsible for the photography on this yeah but this is this is like on the lyric page there's like the notebook okay. paper or whatever. There's kind of like a little yeah. drawing on there. That was like the only gotcha, thing. Gotcha, gotcha. But uh, yeah, there's uh, the the beginning of the song starts off sort of reminiscent of um, uh, I can see for miles by the Who from the Who yeah. sells out. Yeah. 
think that that is uh, a coincidence i think that look a lot of binaural is ed having issues writing his own material um as we've seen with uh the secret track writer's block that's kind of a nod to what the album was and ed was having struggles finding things to write about and uh coming up with cohesive songs and after a while you know, he would write lyrics for, for things, and he said, I'm, I'm done with guitar. And that's actually how Soon Forget kind of came about, because it said, mm-hmm. well, if, if I can't write a song on guitar, I'll try to write a song on a ukulele, and, and was able to come up with something. So, yeah, a lot of this is, you know, outside of No Code was so heavy-ed, and Vitalogy was so heavy-ed, Yield was a complete collaboration on all fronts, and this felt like it was almost a collaboration by mistake where Ed wanted to bring more to the table, but the band had, and, and lest we forget, Mike had some uh, drug addiction problems. He was going through some prescription pills uh, issues that, uh, that he was dealing with. So the, you know, Stone and Jeff and Matt also mentioning that Matt, this is his first record with the band, first time recording with them in, in over 10 years. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot that Jeff and, and Stone pick up on this record that Eddie necessarily would usually have prepared. Mm-hmm. And and I'm wondering if Breaker Fall is one of is just like this the idea of hey, I'm just going to kind of use what I know and keep it a little bit simple and it's a very simple song. It's very simplistic. It's easy to open the album. It's easy to get into. It's two and a half minutes. There's not a lot of lyrics. There's good screaming. There's good buildups and and there's good crashing moment to it. It's 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 very fairly simplistic. It's not. It's neither their best nor worst opener. But yeah, everybody's kind of got a part to shine in there. You yeah. got Jeff in there, this bass bouncing around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Mike making some weird sounds, kind of introducing the. Uh, the delay sort of weird sounds he's going to have further on in the album. But also what's weird about Breaker Fall is that the first five album openers do such a great job of introducing you into what the album is about. I don't know if Breaker Fall actually does that. Yeah, because it looks like the original track listing on that as well was break it was still going to start with breaker fall it's going to go breaker fall into insignificance right mm-hmm. which is interesting yeah well god's dice came out of nowhere it wasn't even on the original uh list oh i thought it was fifth i thought it was fifth on the original list i thought i saw or maybe i thought in my um, head i wanted to make an original and i thought that would be a really good number <laughs> five uh let me see the original yeah you're right god's god's dice is not on rival was the one that was fifth on the original track listing mm-hmm. so yeah, this is this is very interesting. I'm I'm like I'm glad they didn't go with this original, but man, it would have been so cool to to see how people would have reacted to this because you got Breaker Fall into Insignificance, mm-hmm. Evacuation still left in the spot, and then you got Letter to the Dead, which obviously became sad, and that would have been the hit of the record. That's your first single, and that yeah. should take you to the moon. 
Rivals really interesting in that number five spot. I wonder if that kind of doesn't hide the song anymore. If if that, you know, if if people see it as the number five, do they see it in a in a more important or encouraging light? Because it's just kind of a deep. It's it, it's a deep side B track that I don't think a lot of people appreciate on a record that's very hard to get into. Um, and then Grievance Light Years of the Girl Thin Air, you know, those are your normal ones. Nothing as it seems. They're all kind of mixed and way out of place and out of order. I don't I don't know how the, all of those are going to sound together. Um, Fatal at, at eleven. That I mean, that's a weird side B. Fatal in the sleight of hand, in the soon forget, in the in the moonlight parting ways. Education. I actually do like the idea of education ending an album. I think that is kind of cool. Yeah, that that last half though is way sort of down tempo and way kind of subdued. And I, I think that with having such a heavy uh, front loaded album from this one, I think that it would be even been more sort of uh, forgotten about. Yeah. I can, I, I can agree with that. Yeah, 16 songs is a lot for a record. And usually when you get to the, the territory around 16 songs, you got to say, well, is this, do we have enough to get at 20? And, and they didn't have, I guess maybe they had close to 20 if you count Sweet Lou <laughs> and uh, obviously God's Dice. So they, had, they were close and maybe they could have came up with something for Thunderclap and Fall Back and Harmony, yeah. but I, those were pretty much instrumentals. Um yeah, it's you're getting into double disc territory here, and it doesn't, you know, they they never have done a release like that, and I'm almost wondering if that would have felt like a bigger deal at the time that Pearl Jam was kind of doing their experimental double disc album in the middle of their career kind of deal, because they were, you know, I, I I don't know if expectations were high for Binaural or not. Mm-hmm. I think they were as expectations go for a band that releases an album every two years. Um, but Yields is a pretty big follow-up, and they were a complete different band. The music industry had completely changed by 2000. Um, you know, even seeing, watching uh, montages from uh, Touring Man DVD, just the fans that, the way that they're dressed out there, it, it defines what the era is, and everybody's just wearing all black. It's, you know, the all black pants, the the Jenkos, and, uh, <laughs> you know, everybody looks like they're, a system of a down fan. It doesn't matter if you're a Pearl Jam fan or not. They all look like they're about to go see a system of a down concert. Yeah. I think that since this was, I mean, this was, you know, the, the dawning of a new millennium. So I think that it's like, they were the last nineties band that was still around at the, at this point. So it was kind of like, you know, can, are they still relevant? Are they still, you know, gonna, I don't know, bring it appeal to the masses. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is their first album that didn't go platinum. It went to mm-hmm. number two in the in the week's debut, and it did pretty good, but it couldn't beat Britney Spears because who the hell's beating Britney Spears in two thousand? And uh, it got I think like eight hundred twenty five thousand buys overall, like where where it's at right now. So it didn't even reach a million, which feels so weird to say about Pearl Jam because you know that there are a million people out there that own Pearl Jam records in America or that have owned Pearl Jam records in America. It, the, the numbers show that, that that's the case. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, things are things are changing. Things are getting a little bit different. A year later, you'd get, like, the debut of Linkin Park and stuff, and that's when, you know, that's hard to keep up with. And you got to think to yourself, like, is Pearl Jam going to change to keep up with that kind of 
you know, with, with where the music industry is going, or are they just going to keep doing their thing? And thankfully, they they kept doing their thing, and and that's you know what makes them such an appeal now is that people can say, I want nostalgia, but I want something new. Okay, Gigaton, yeah, it might be a little bit different in spots, but you get songs that could easily have been on some of these middle chunk records. And so, do, do you think that there's another song that could have? been a better opening track that's more of a uh, a thesis statement i've yeah i've thought of that and my answer is ultimately no mm-hmm. but i do think they should have done something better to make break or fall stand out a little bit more maybe if break or fall went into sad and then went into uh grievance like that's a really good one two three right there that's Mm -hmm. excellent you go break or fall sad grievance light years keep light years in its original spot and then from light years come right out of it into god's dice like that's that's pretty solid and then after that do whatever you want you you can throw in nothing as it seems somewhere you can throw in up the girl somewhere make side b a little bit, you know, out there and edgy and, and you can get insignificance inside B to kind of break up that tension a little bit. But I will say this week as we're recording it, this is the week that we're doing the Toronto show where they did binaural. And it's so weird because I knew that it didn't work as an album, but I, w- I was really curious and I had, I had listened to it before, but not studied it like I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. I, I It's so weird because I wanted to know how it was going to work all put together and mapped out live. And I'm just like, man, the crowd is completely not into this. Oh, really? Yeah. It, just from the sense that I got from just listening and people could disagree with me, but it felt weird on the boot, like somewhere in the middle, like after nothing as it seems you get light years, nothing as it seems thin air. Like, does that really make you jump out of your seat live? Like the first two are good, but thin air is just, I don't know. That just doesn't stick with people. Like they wanted, they wanted it to stick with people. Mm-hmm. Ed wanted that to be the hit of the record. No, oh, right. But it just, oh yeah, yeah. He thought it was going to be a music video, and he thought that they were, it was going to be their best selling song. But they took it in a different direction. They put out two singles, nothing as it seems in light years, and and uh, decided to go with that. And that it, it kind of was more of the no code for, formula of not taking your best songs and utilizing them in that fashion. Grievance should have been the first single. Mm-hmm. I'll, th- I'll throw that out there. Grievance should have absolutely been the first single and shouldn't have been number nine on the record. You need your best songs near the top of the album, but you do need to you know, spread it out a little bit and give some love to side B. I'm a, I'm a proponent of, of making full records and making side side B sound, sound good. So, yeah, you got to have some some fl- some flow in there to exactly. to guide you through, and not necessarily be like, okay, let's stick all the hits in the beginning, and then right. and then people can just keep the you know the side A on their record player and just restart it over and over again to listen to the songs they want to do. Right, and I found it so funny that the side B material from the live set from of the girl to parting ways was the best stuff. Mm-hmm. That was the best stuff of that show or, or that section of that show. Like Light Years was was okay. Evacuation was tough. They never play Evacuation. Uh God's Dice was fine. Like it just but they didn't cohesively 
fit together, you know? Mm -hmm. But it felt like the back half did, which is kind of amazing to me. Yeah, I think that the the first time listening to this, I think, like, having those songs in the beginning are kind of are like oh yeah like it really gets you into the album and then you know after you listen to it you know again and you're kind of used to it you're just kind of you're just kind of like oh yeah those are the those songs are the kind of uh the kind of iffy ones the ones that you kind of like oh yeah these are definitely album tracks these aren't like big hits or whatever like that right. until you get later onto the record where you start getting into into the binaural stuff or even songs you would consider live staples Oh yeah, 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 especially yeah. Which you know that that songs usually seem to become those 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 ones. I don't know why. I don't know if there's a a reason for that. Hmm. I wonder. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> who's who's writing up the drafts every night? <laughs> um. Let's see. Lyrically, how does this? Uh, ha, ha, what kind of journey does this take you on? Well, the first thing I think when I think of the lyrics and the the it's I think the first lyric of the song is the one that that reaches out to me the most there's a girl on the ledge that, who's got nowhere to turn and immediately you're kind of hooked you're like oh shit like that's that's some pretty heavy stuff right there but it's a it's also kind of one of those moments where you can picture this song being attached to this moment and kind of things happening in such an instant because in a situation like that, and this might need sort of a uh, a disclaimer in the front of the episode, I'm going to guess. But in a situation like that, things are probably moving a mile a minute, and and you know you're you're probably not in control of a whole lot. So I can kind of see this idea, and and the thing that pops into my head is the scene in Forrest Gump when Jenny is on the windowsill, and actually what's playing in the background is Freebird. And it's kind of like they kind of go back and forth between some shots. It's like like Forrest is kind of narrating the story a little bit, but he's telling his side unbeknownst to him that this is going on in Jenny's life. But he's speaking like so, so good of her and, and basically saying that she's the best woman he's ever met in his life while she's living this mess of of, of a life, you know, basically that Forrest has no he has some idea about but he has no idea what the the consequences would be you know and mm -hmm. I I, I kind of think of that and how just that could go through somebody's head in that moment and and just everything just kind of come to grips and and the song I don't know if this was purposeful or not or and maybe this where the idea of that that first drum sounding like I can see for miles came through, but it kind of sounds like you can see somebody falling from a building. And that's a scary thought. Mm -hmm. It's a scary thought, but it also is really good artistically that they were able to make that connection that they're singing a song called break or fall. And you're thinking about those images. Yeah. It is a very cinematic song. I guess you could say, I mean, there's it, it it's you yeah. can kind of follow along a story you can see the images in your head um that that beginning sort of um twang and and chord progression revisits in the in the bridge you know a, a, just uh, turned a little bit uh on its side but it's the same chord progression that's going on there and then it kind of makes you feel like falling like something's coming up and then you know as it as it as it builds into the the final yes chorus of uh of breaking a fall, breaking her fall. 
right and then he screams that's kind of like could that be the crash could that be the moment that they decide it's not worth it mm-hmm. you know that could you know that's your kind of your climax moment right there that big scream do you think that um that i don't know that ed is coming to the rescue in this song possibly that or or is 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 just kind of a this is something that he's noticing something he's seeing do you think that there's um somebody he's he he's talking about in here he, i mean he's every single song that he has it feels like he's taking from something in his life mhm and i don't want to make this connection at all i really 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 don't want to make this connection at all because it's just it's not something easy to think about because and i would be this is all speculation this is all complete speculation but you end the record with parting ways Mm -hmm. which is clearly a song about him and beth's relationship is are you is are you starting the record that way yeah like i i don't know that's 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 a great question and i'm sure one that I would never ask him if I were I were in a room with him and never want to actually know the the answer of but you know he's going through a divorce at this time it, it's pretty it's kind of weighing on him and and I I'm you know I I think from what I remember they divorced amicably and you know they it wasn't like this but we don't we also don't know the, that side of the story like we yeah. didn't we didn't really know Beth too well we knew who she was. We knew that she was in a band, that she kind of had her own thing going on, and that Ed was dating her from the minute that he stepped into Seattle. But, you know, outside of maybe like one or two times seeing her on stage with Ed, we almost never hear or see from her like we like we do of Jill. Jill is, you know, she's out in the public. She's Mrs. Vetter. You know, we know who she is, and she's all over the place doing amazing things with EB and uh, Mothers for America. I think uh, whatever it is, it, it's the work that she's doing is, is, is fantastic. And uh, I, I was lucky enough to able to tell her that in person, you know, through zoom, but it was, it was telling her to her face. So that, that was good enough. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't want to make that connection and feel like I'm grasping at straws, but I just wonder. I, I I just I just wonder because who else in his life could it have been? I, I, he has tons of friends, of course, but this has to be something that you would think would be close to him that would hit close to home. Yeah, the uh, mothers. Wait, what was it? Every mother counts. Every mother counts. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, I, and I don't know if if possibly this song is like the beginning of his and Beth's relationship and then like you say like parting ways is the end of their relationship or if this is kind of a a sort of um I don't know like him sort of like saying goodbyes kind of like you know like she you know every everybody I don't know everybody deserves to feel loved and to you know have somebody or multiple people in their lives you know I mean it's it's if you don't really feel that then you can't fault them for you know, wanting to, to go and find that really. And I, and I mean, if, 
I don't know if possibly, you know, she feels if, if, if he's trying to take a look through her eyes, like her side of the, uh, her side of the relationship and possibly parting ways is his side of the relationship. Like he feels that he is off with his band and he's doing his thing and kind of just leaving her behind. All the love that she had was just wood that she's burned. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like he's in the, him sort of like trying to understand her point of view in this thing. It's kind of like, you know, I'm off, I'm doing my career, we're touring all the time. You know, possibly, you know, you're just kind of left out and, you know, you're, uh, you've lost your invitation to the party on earth. You know, we're off doing our thing. Sure. Yeah. Like she's not a part of his life anymore. Like he's gotten so big to the point that he's almost never home. And, and I wonder if the year of 1999 was that they kind of took a break that year. If that was a test for them that they could, you know stay together and, and feel like they can handle it, mm-hmm. you know, being there with each other the whole time. And I don't, I, you know, that's a, that's a really powerful take. Cause I, I, I don't think that I was even putting Beth in the, into the equation before you even teed me up on that. So yeah. And maybe it's not saying or in inferring suicide, but maybe the ledge is just like the breaking, just the breaking point instead of like falling off or jumping off a building. Maybe the ledge is just I'm I'm done and I'm about to walk out. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 powerful. And look, and now that like you got to think she's her own disease crying to her doll. That's pretty specific. Like, I wonder if that that has to be a reference to something crying to her doll part has to be a reference to something that that that's very specific and that's something that unless you really know somebody on a very personal level you wouldn't you wouldn't just make that lyric up you know what i mean just like oh yeah she's just crying to a baby doll like no that that's somebody that has a special you know relationship with a kid's toy from their youth that they've hung on to as sort of a security blanket for their whole entire life that you know whenever he's not there whenever he's on tour not there and maybe she's up at night you know trying to wait for his phone call to say hey we're back on uh on the tour bus or we're back at the hotel or something like that maybe that's her that's what she's clutching on to who knows yeah but doll does rhyme with fall <laughs> it does <laughs> and sometimes it's it's the john lennon thing where just don't don't look too too much into it there's no puzzle there's no puzzle yeah i, I think like especially around this era of uh of pearl jam i think especially with um jeff writing lyrics for them and him getting super creative and out there and yeah. just poetic just all over the place that Ed, i think kind of felt a little more like uh you know what i don't have to make everything about me and i can kind of tell stories and i can be kind of weird and obtuse and just have turn more turns of phrases that don't really have anything deeper to them than just you know imagery or something the interesting thing about this too is that this is from the female perspective and how many songs do we get written by ed that he's able to tap into that that's such a that's such a unique thing that almost no male artist has has replicated like that that's his thing and that's why he has and the band has had such 
a powerful female following over the years is because he's able to to tap into that viewpoint. You have to think songs obviously like Daughter and Better Man are clearly, clearly from the female perspective. Elderly Woman is clearly from the female perspective, but so is Rearview Mirror. A lot of those early album songs are, and this is following that trend, and he would do it a little bit later. Some other songs like Force of Nature and um, there's one other kind of uh, lightning bolt is from the female perspective. So uh, he, he's getting very good at it at this point. And it's it, that, you know, although he's got some writer's block going on here, uh, and this is also a very simple song, he's able to paint that picture of the character. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking, like, this isn't from it. Well, I guess like, yeah, female perspective, not necessarily well, like... Even not the the perspective, but like it's female centered. It's telling the story yes. of not necessarily like I am embodying a, a you know I'm the woman in this story and I'm a guy. It's you know it is sort of centering it on women, which right. you know a lot of men don't do, especially you know in music and everything like that. Because you know, and especially to a song that's you know pretty punk rock and and hard rock into to open an album like this. This is a pretty uh, heavy song for that has more of a feminine, I guess, quality to it. Like you would think that if a, if a rock star was going to do this, you know, I think of a song from like stone temple pilots, like a sour girl, like that's a very, it's an acoustic, it's a very melodic kind of song, but this is just, no, we're, this is the story. We're going to tear into this. We're not going to play gender roles in mm-hmm. this at all. I, I, I like that about or, this. Or the woman is just, you know, the prize to be won by a man somewhere along in the story or something like that. It's, you know, it's kind of yeah. like love can break her, you know, only love can break her fall. It's not necessarily like somebody's got to go in and save her. It's just sort of like she's got to either you know, find that for herself or sort of possibly break out of that possible cycle. Like maybe, you know, this is the, you know, the first ledge that she's on is love in a relationship and she's going to fall. And then that's, that's just progressively getting deeper and deeper and deeper, you know, going from relationship to relationship to relationship. And there's got to be something else, you know, the, you know, you got to make yourself better. You got to love yourself. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is it, is it self-love or is it accepting the love of others or is it both? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I think in most cases, and, and I know that I've personally dealt with this before, and, and I, you know, from speaking to you and your experiences, it seems like you have too. Self-love is the first indicator and the first way into the door that you can accept love from others. Mm-hmm. If you accept love from yourself, then you're able to accept the love from everybody else. Cause I've had stages in my life where I did not love myself, but I expected everybody else to love me. And it's, it's very difficult. And I've seen, I've seen both sides now where I've seen other people that have dealt with that. And I, I've, you know, attempted to kind of help them through that. Cause it, it's tough when somebody says they feel a certain way and nobody's actually been in that position before they just say things that are just kind of cliches to cheer them up. Oh, you'll you'll get better and and do this and do that. You'll get better. And I I try to kind of think of how I was dealing with it and what I was going through. And you really have to tap into 
and therapy helps and and psychiatric care definitely helps if if that is uh, a, a a case in all of this but um those are those are things that you you need to kind of put the puzzles together and and pick up the pieces and it's not until really you can love yourself that other people's can, other people can 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 be a love in your life and and I realize that at some point down the line when I knew I I was cla- I was grasping on to a lot of people that were in my life very early on like you know my friends from from high school and things like that I was I was grasping on to them when I was far away from them because I knew that I had already accepted their their love and their their friendship and you know they they had already accepted me but for new people it was tough because they saw me in a completely different light they saw maybe a more negative side of me and it didn't necessarily want them to be around me more I, I, I you, you kind of get the and I'm so much different now I, I'm thankfully I've I've figured it out as much as I could and and it's it takes lifetimes to really figure this shit out but you know thankfully I'm I'm in a great marriage and uh you know working working through that and and learning and understanding my wife and things and that's fantastic um but also like it it, it was just you, you realize kind of when you're alone you know you're alone because not because people don't want to be around you it's because you don't want to be around yourself I use this uh this analogy a lot but uh or i don't know if it's analogy but like this uh, little little fact i don't know but i, I say this a lot but because uh, i think it really it really illustrates the point that you know they're they're before people had a concept of zero i mean you can't you know before that was introduced they're just kind of like yeah it was like no that doesn't make any sense you know math doesn't work out past a certain point if you don't have zero as a concept and if it doesn't exist in your head then you know you're not going to be able to do a whole bunch of stuff so if you don't see yourself as worthy of love expecting it from other people isn't really going to mesh there Mm -hmm. and of course you can see it's like oh i can give my love away but you know i'm not ready to accept it because i don't believe that i'm worthy of it right and i think you kind of mask that sometimes when you try really hard to do things for other people and that you know at that stage of my life being an uncle was probably like the worst thing that could happen because that was sort of me like anytime that i had a chance to buy my niece or my nephew like shower them with gifts i would because it would make myself feel good Mm -hmm. because i knew that they were going to react to me positively and they were going to love me and and it's easy to get a child's love and that's why you know grandparents they love having grandchildren you know (laughs) before we get deeper into any kind of conversation i I just want to i feel compelled because we've talked about some some difficult topics here um anytime that you need help anytime in your life if you're feeling any sort of uh symptom of depression any sort of symptom of suicide feel like you're about to to lose it there is a national suicide prevention lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 you can call it 24 hours a day and uh they are very extremely extremely helpful and uh, even when you're not suicidal even when you just need somebody to talk to that can talk you through things because i know therapy is extremely hard to find a good therapist and it's hard to find somebody that can connect with you on that level even if you see them a couple of times 
and uh, and make that attempt. Um, you know, just just for one day for for a drastic period, it it does help. So, I just I, I feel like it was our duty to kind of throw that out there. No, yeah, that's that's totally you know, and I, I think that especially with the you know the beginning lyric, you know, just you know on on the you know on the ledge. I mean, it's it brings up you know those images and stuff, and you know you can't really know what might make somebody think down some line or whatever like that yeah and whenever i talk about and i'm very open about talking about these things because when you do it makes them less scary you know what i mean like i'll 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 say the word Mm -hmm. i'm not afraid of it. it it's like suicide it's it's a thing like it exists don't be afraid of it because you have to conquer against it like that's just if that comes up just know it's a battle it's another battle that you just have to fight and you just have to win against like that that's and i know this is an extremely difficult time and continues to be an extremely difficult time in in this world right now where um you know we kind of don't have a lot of answers to things so you know the 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 suicide prevent uh percentage rate has gone up during all this and that's not that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody but of course when you see politicians on even both sides uh yeah i'll I'll both sides this thing um (laughs) i saw there was a tweet of chuck schumer's and he said really sorry to see uh it was a veteran it was it was an army veteran really sorry to see that he committed suicide after losing his unemployment check uh he went off on unemployment and that caused him he didn't have any money so that caused him into a deep depression and uh and and we lost him and what did chuck schumer say we will do everything we can to prevent suicide how about you try to do everything you can to get people the funding and that's how you prevent the suicide Mm -hmm. you continue the unemployment you continue to especially a freaking veteran you continue to help them because you don't some of those people can't be employed some of those people have extreme issues that either physically or mentally where you know, obviously somebody like that could have had something totally severe, a severe case of PTSD where they couldn't work a full eight hour a day shift. And uh, it prevented them from from having an everyday life. Like, I don't think that politicians understand that. I really don't. And that's a Democrat. That's coming from a Democrat there. Oh, yeah. I'm not afraid to I'm not afraid to trash them. Yeah, and. You know, if uh, people didn't have to worry about medical bills or being able to find doctors and yeah. everything, you know, I mean, uh, yeah. a lot of people would be a lot better off. They say more money, more problems. I really don't think that's the case. <laughs> well, that's. I think that's changed. Well, it's right. It's, I mean, that's that's a song. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, yeah, that's, uh, that's Biggie Smalls. That's, that's Biggie Smalls. I mean, I that's. It's, <laughs> it's the same thing as the Bad Boy Family, but. Oh well, <laughs> I just, I just, you know, let's let's not throw some shade yeah. on Mace there. <laughs> uh, actually, M A dollar sign. Yeah, sometimes he rhymes slow, sometimes he rhymes <laughs> slower. But um, <laughs> uh, the song is even coming to my head now. Who's hot? Who's not? Rock on the floor, mo bomb, bomb. That that's as much as I got. Anyhow, um, I wanna I wanna dip back in because I I just you know, trying to get back to something lighthearted and maybe a little bit less about Pearl Jam at the second. But um, I want to get back into what I said before about Forrest Gump because that movie, when was the last time you watched that movie? 
Oh, I think I've only seen it like the one time okay. after it came out on video, like around that time. Oh, okay. So what age, what what age do you think you were? Like 16, uh, 17? Uh, probably maybe around then, maybe a little younger. Okay. They're always and I think like every three or four years I'll see it on TV and I'll be like, all right, what the hell? I got three hours. Sure. Why not? And I always find something because the first time I saw it, I was about 10. It came out in 95. It was like mm-hmm. nine or 10. I always saw something that I didn't realize what it was then. And then when I knew, when I figured it out now and that suicide scene where she's on the ledge, you don't realize that she's trying or like trying to, to see how it feels to, you know, the rush of, of, of a suicide. Um, but there's so many scenes in that you don't realize what they are until you get older and you're like, Oh shit, there's so much you can, you just go back and, and look at just sort of racial undertones and, uh, you know, people not understanding mental disabilities and, uh, and, you know, uh, poverty and things like that. You don't realize all of those things when you watch it when you're 10. You're just like, oh, stupid is as stupid does, and life is like a box of chocolate. And then most people would usually think of those things. But no, I, I think of the overall overarching subjects and not the, the one-liners. You know, Tom Hanks is great, but it's the idea of the story. All right. How, uh, how do we close this out? You got any final thoughts on Should it? Should wrap it up for the song? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. I think we've kind of covered it and also gone all over the place. <laughs> pretty much. That's pretty yeah, much what I mean, we do it's, here. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a song that is, I mean, we're, we're in the era where they're not doing a bunch of interviews. I mean, people aren't, pe- people aren't interviewing them. They're kind of, it's like, oh, they're a nineties band. We're, we're moved on. We're all about pop yeah. music and new metal yeah, and, ev- and everything else. So in. we don't really care too much about Pearl Jam. So you, you can't find a lot i mean i've seen like people like talk about it. it's like oh i think it was about uh somebody was saying something about ronan's book and they're saying it's like oh does this focus mostly on the beginning and stuff and there's not much afterwards or something like that it's kind of like well yeah because that's all that's where all the information is right so you're gonna find the most stuff about then it's it, you, you can't really find out much about this later period in their career because a nobody cared and b like you, there's not that much stuff out there so you can't find that much there's stuff ross killed there's there's from the early 2000s there's ross killed and then there's yeah. bush leaguer that's pretty much that you know the music was awesome and the tours were amazing and that shouldn't be overlooked but when you're telling a cohesive story about the band and what they've been through in their history i think you have to kind of go into more details than like some great shows like Mansfield were played. That's not what the book was about. The book was about relating to what was going on in the, you know, the political atmosphere and sort of the, you know, how, how uh, the, the music industry environment changed yeah. them as, as human beings and made them into who they became and all that, I, you know, it wasn't just like, hey, some songs off Riot Act are good, so let's talk about that. Like, we we just did that with Binaural, basically. So yeah. that's what podcasts are for. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was great. He didn't take away our medium because he could have just wrote it all in one book and said, all right, you guys don't have to listen to any podcasts. <laughs> then uh, yeah. we'd be out of business <laughs> if you would have done that. 
Well, then there's always the people who don't know. So it's kind of like, yes, I'm passing this all off on my own as my own research and my own uh, stuff coming That's... up from the top of my brain. Yeah. Uh, right. But he also, when we got to talk to him, and I've talked to him a lot since then, um, he's just been doing awesome stuff. And I think he's gotten some very interesting reactions on the book, some very good ones that I'm very delighted to see. But then there's obviously... You know, there, there's always going to be those people, but you know, I, I, I'm glad that there are people that see the book the same way that I saw it, mm-hmm. and John saw it as well because we were very both both very impressed by it and very leery of what was going to be in it beforehand. But I think I, I, I really do think it's a fantastic book, and I think you guys should pick it up. But also, I was so surprised when talking to him he told me that he was actually using and utilizing us as research oh, cool. like whoa all right that that's awesome what did what did we do to deserve <laughs> that and he said the biggest thing was we did last year we did a top 10 shows of the decade and he didn't really know the 2000 the the you know the 2010 era too well you know backspacer and mm-hmm. onward so that kind of got him to think about shows like Amsterdam, where you know uh, 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 Brian Farias made the set list, the fan made set mm-hmm. list show. Uh, shows like Toronto from 2011, where Neil came on the stage and played with them. Um, I mean, obviously Wrigley's and Fenways and, and PJ20 and stuff like that are pretty obvious, and you know that MSG show from 2010 is is one of their best shows of all time and people will the old school fan will argue with me and say that the 98 show is better i look i wasn't at the 98 show i can't say i i I can't speak for the 98 show but all i know is that they had a ton of in their arsenal in 2010 Mm -hmm. and they used just about everything to the perfect perfect way that you can do a show in 2010 they they nailed it they nailed everything that you could ever want in the place where you would do that. And I, I do remember somebody sitting next to me and saying it was a 60-something show. And I'm sitting there. It was my fifth. And he's just like, yeah, you always get things that you never see before. And sometimes you don't. And today I'm realizing that maybe last night I didn't see something like that. But today I'm realizing it's great when you get that again. And and this is one of those shows where you feel the special element. So let's get on tangent or anything like that but like those are the kind of things that he he took from us and i was just kind of wow our research we were researched for a book and then subsequently mentioned in said book yeah very cool let's wrap up the episode yeah what what are you do what are you doing with your guys are you asking them questions are you like giving them one final thought kind of things what, what's been the the oh yes yes i am okay and uh, by you saying that i think that means i didn't tell you ahead of time nope. <laughs> Son of a suck man. it to me sir okay well uh the the way i'm uh, i'm wrapping this up for uh fiber for binaural when i'm uh talking to people for the first time and we're gonna we're going to hear how that plays out in all these subsequent episodes and also into riot act when i talk to people for the first time uh, since th- this is the year of Pearl Jam 30, this is PJ yeah. 30 year up until I guess the anniversary of when the album comes out, when 10 comes out. Yeah, maybe? in August. I don't know. And then a 25th for No Code as well. Yeah. So it shouldn't then, be overshadowed um, either. I'm I'm asking people, much like Ed was asked in Single Video Theory, uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to ask you, Randy, what does Pearl Jam mean to you? 
Oh my goodness. Um, ooh. <laughs> Go ahead and take your time since I didn't. Long, uh... long answer or short answer? Um, well, I think they mean so much more than just music. I think they kind of mean they're kind of a discovery of oneself and uh, and a realization that there are people that you can connect with on a level like that, that, that you've never met before that, you know, have gone through certain situations that really can tap into what life is about and what going through the motions are about. And, and it's very, you've done six of the albums now. It, it's just, it's prevalent throughout all the albums, how their demeanor is completely changed. And, and they've gone from, you know, just, trying to figure it out with verses and and trying to to be what the ideal rock and roll band is in verses to vitality where they're just pissed off that they're the ideal rock and roll band they don't want to be that anymore to no code where they're coming to terms with that to yield to where they're just like okay this is ours now we're going to own this we're going to do this thing it's a binaural where they're just they're facing challenges and they're setting up challenges for themselves to kind of pull through and I, I i think i think that's that's real that's a real thing that you go through in life and they're they're you know obviously you can make a movie out of this because it would make sense but that's why those kind of books work too because you can kind of see the journey and and you know as you grow older there are new things that you can always attach to them and you can say that I've kind of grown in into and out of songs and maybe a song like Break or Fall maybe I loved that song back you know early 2000s when I was listening to the hard the fast stuff and I still love the hard and the fast stuff and maybe for a little while I dropped that and I liked more of the atmospheric stuff and now like I, I think after this episode I have a newfound love for this song because I can attach it to something that is very real. Something, and I didn't think too much in depth with it before coming on the show because I just wanted, I just wanted to see what your reaction was going to be. I kind of knew like a baseline of what I was going to say, and I had no idea I was going to say what I did. And I'm happy that we both kind of came to that conclusion together. Mm-hmm. But you just kind of you you learn so much about other people, and you kind of make realizations about yourself and where you stand and how it can be similar to others and you can be successful and you can still struggle and you can feel the same kind of pain that somebody that's you know in the middle class that you know makes 35,000 40,000 a year dollars a year feels you know it's so much more than music it's it, it relates so much to how you know, you can you can go through and walk through everyday life, and um, you don't realize that at first because you just, yeah, you enjoy the music and you know that you can sing along to Corduroy because it's fun. But then when you step back and see what Corduroy is really about and see that you know it's the definitive uh, anthem of what Eddie Vedder was and who he was and and what he didn't and did want to be in the mid 1990s. 
it's just so important to just realize that and and to realize that everybody kind of goes through that you know on a on a bigger scale a smaller scale whatever it is we all have these moments where you know we think you know we're being perceived a certain way and uh and we try to we try to change it and then and then obviously we get to know code where you know we kind of learn to come to terms with that and those are such important things that you learn from this band about life that i think you don't get from a lot of other artists yeah Mm -hmm. you can learn you can learn to kind of cope with emotions and learn how to handle emotions maybe and learn that hey there are people out there that feel the same as you, but I don't think that they can take you on this kind of journey that they do throughout their whole entire catalog. So yeah, that in an, in a, in a weird kind of nutshell that they mean sort of, that's what they mean to me, I guess. I, I don't know if they mean my life, but they mean life in general. I've, I've seen something somewhere. I don't know if it's just uh if it was a sticker or a shirt or something that somebody just made or something like that, or maybe a meme on Instagram or Facebook or something like that, it says Pearl Jam is life. Yeah. And that's such a simple thing. And so many people can react to that. And sometimes you may want to make it more complicated because you want to think about things in, and I, I do this all the time. And obviously we have, we both kind of have out of all of the the podcast stratosphere of, of Pearl Jam podcast, which there are about 15 of them now. I don't know if you're counting. I'm not counting. I've, I've just been told uh, <laughs> there are some that I, I'm, I'm sure I haven't even heard of before, which I apologize uh, before, in, uh, beforehand. But um, like, I think we both try so hard to come up with the complicated answers and there's so many different layers to Pearl Jam that you can come up with complicated answers, but you can also just, you can just like them for who they are too. And you can just like the, you know, take the easy road with mm-hmm. it and just like the, the hits and the catchy songs and not have to think about what does this song mean? What perspective is he coming from? But I, I, we're nerds, <laughs> we're nerds. And that's just what it is. I told Jill Vetter, we're nerds. I, I said that straight to her and I, you know, I, I, it was the elephant in the room and I had to say it and I meant it because that's just, this is what we do. And, and she knows, and it's kind of, it's kind of uncomfortable for me that I had to tell somebody like that, that like, Hey, all I do with my time is talk about your husband. <laughs> that's freaking weird, man. If somebody said that to me about my wife, I'd be like, stop, please stop. No, don't do that. So I, I get it. But also I wouldn't do it if it didn't have that specific special impact on my life. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, boil all that uh, 2,000, 3,000 word essay down into four words, Pearl Jam three word into three words pearl jam <laughs> no it is four words god damn yeah. it <laughs> i was thinking pearl jam is one word pearl jam pearl jam uh boil it down all into four words pearl jam is life and vitology was originally going to be called life so oh that's right go, hey. the study of life it became yes vitology so. well, randy as always Thanks for coming on. I think you've you've deserved this uh, this this plug portion right now. Uh, what 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 can I say that I haven't said? Um, well, 
by the time this episode comes out, I feel like it's free to say this, so I'll kind of tee it up in a way. So we're we're actually doing something pretty cool. We're in the works on something pretty huge. Uh, John and I and kind of the rest of our team with Live on Four Legs have have uh, kind of decided put it uh, put a big weight upon ourselves to you know take on a very difficult task within the community, and that is we are going to try and fill in the holes within the concert chronology and yeah we um you know we know that the work that was done with both five horizons and two feet thick was there did so much hard work and we just hate to see it go unfinished and we would like you know we're it's going to take a lot of manpower it's going to take a lot of fundraising and just a lot of work just to get it done so you know Look, anything that you can do, we're looking for people that can help on the writing staff, you know, to help write up little, you know, paragraph or so reviews for shows, to do the research, to watch the YouTube clips, to uh, anything, anything from that to donating to Patreon. We just came up with a new tier called the Horizon tier named after Five Horizons, obviously. Uh, It's a $10 tier, but what, what you'll get in that is you'll get to have basically your name synonymous with this website live on four legs.com it'll be and it's kind of up now it's kind of got you know our live footstep stuff is up there but there's a pop-up saying concert chronology coming soon but uh you'll see that you know we're gonna try to do something big and and you know we're thinking of other things that we can do for the people that want to push this along and, and make this a thing so uh yeah look i i I, it's one of those things like it's all up to you guys if you want to be a part of this like we we want you on board and uh you know it's all about it's all about putting in the time and dedication if you guys are willing to put in the time we're willing to, to work together work with you on this so um you know we do have our patreon patreon.com slash live on four legs and like i said the horizon tier all of that fundraising will go into building the website and um what we're going to try to do is is everybody's name will be on the website and hopefully we'll get like a feature part of the page where we'll do a personal pearl jam profile for everybody that's donated to that tier as well as maybe an episode kind of you know uh going going along with that so uh, yeah, and look, you know, you you know the show. I, I don't think there's anybody that listens to your show that doesn't really know our show. But uh, you know, we're all year this year. We did some themes last year with around the world. This year we're gonna be doing a Seattle series every month. Uh, so one Seattle show we're gonna kind of do in chronological order, starting in '91 and then kind of going through through the popular Seattle shows. Uh, as kind of an homage to their hometown and uh, the history of the band in their 30 years. So that's that's what's going on. Cool. Hope you all are enjoying it because I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying your show and I'm enjoying uh, the community and what's, you know, everybody's, it's, it was a weird year and we kind of all needed to have each other's back. And um, yeah, I, I think we're kind of going to go into 2021 with a little bit of hope here. So that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, hell yeah, right on, man. It's a good, good, good luck. That's it's gonna be awesome. 
it is yeah and i i thank you for for being a part of this you're 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 a part of this community you're somebody that that oh shucks i I can confide in and go to with you know pearl jam like related topics and stuff so yeah keep listening to the better man podcast guys brandon it's I, i man i i've been in sort of that position before where i've just been a one man band on a podcast and trying to find you know, I had that time in between where Matt was like really struggling to, to, to make it to, to do the podcast. And I can understand it just being a daunting task and to get through it is, is extremely difficult. So keep supporting Brandon and just keep retweeting and paying attention to his shit, uh, just as much or more than ours, because you know, like <laughs> I'm serious though. Like, well, this is my that, show, so they should, that's oh, right. <laughs> duh, but I, I, you know, we we're at a point now where, you know, I, I want to give more attention to the little guy and I'm not calling you the little guy. Look, we, we basically started at the same time. We started at what, when, when was your first episode? Uh, you start in 2019 or 2018 uh no 19 like february 2019 okay so uh, okay i think you reached out to us like right after we started because you wanted us on the show so and i was just like whoa wait a minute now there's there's we were the second one Mm-hmm. I just want to point that out. We were the second podcast, and now there's 15 <laughs> of them. I I still sometimes can't believe that, and like I felt so bad at first that you know I didn't want to step on any toes. That I got in touch with with Brad Blazik and told him, "Hey, uh, I, is it okay if we do this?" And he said, "Yeah, sure, man. Whatever. Do whatever you want." And great, you know, and it's been and it's been fine. But you know, now there's 15 people. I I can't imagine like anybody coming up to me and asking me something like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect them to or want them to, but I, you know, now I, I guess you really don't have to cause it's kind of free reign, but it was, it was dominated by one uh, group at first. And now it's, it's just dominated by everybody. So keep it going, keep supporting. So everybody doesn't matter who, whoever you like, whatever fits your taste. Yeah, there's 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 enough uh, there's enough love to spread around. Sure, for sure. Hell yeah! <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks for having hey, me on. Yeah. See you. See you for can't keep. That should be uh, that should be interesting. We'll talk a little bit uh, Ooh, about yeah, the ukulele. Yeah. yeah. Have some fun with that. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for coming on, Randy. Thanks for having me. We'll see you soon. The Better Band Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email ListenUpReno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you'd like the job I'm doing here, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Brandon P and leave me a $3 tip. Or give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. 
Again, I'd like to thank my guest Randy, and as always, this is Brandon saying... Millhouse, baby! Lionel Hutz, you new agent, bodyguard, unauthorized biographer, and drug dealer. I keep her away here.